It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Theodore Roosevelt. That is one of my favorite quotes, which inspired one of my favorite books, Daring Greatly, um, from one of my favorite gurus, Brene Brown. Brene Brown is a vulnerability and shame researcher who has um, TED Talks and podcasts and many books, uh, most recently Atlas of the Heart, which I have not yet to read, but I have heard incredible things. Um, but her work has really shaped a lot of the way that I perceive my own strength and vulnerability. I've shared a lot of her work with our staff, with um, some friends, clients, anyone that I can share with. And now I'd like to share some of the lessons and tools that I picked up as a result of her opening that door for me um, with you. So when we talk about vulnerability, and I said on my first podcast, I wear my strength like a suit of armor. And it, this podcast is part of my journey into being more vulnerable and authentic um, in general and also with you. Um, there are a lot of different facets of the way vulnerability or lack thereof can contribute to imbalances in our lives. And I think that the ability to strip away and say, hey, I need help or I could do this better, you know, we talked about that growth mindset in the last podcast, um, is an act of vulnerability and is a, is a crucial step, a crucial tool in moving forward and cultivating a life that serves you. When you can say, I have this shortcoming, I'm willing to be checked and clocked and grow. That is vulnerable. The ability to say I can be hurt, um, allows you the space to have more empathy so that you also do not hurt others. And I talked about this before as well. Um, when we talk about vulnerability and this idea that you cannot be hurt. And I think, um, internet culture, dating cultures too, really has this idea that you can't hurt me. So I don't care about whether or not I can hurt you because what can you do to me? Um, or this, when we're dating, it's the person who cares the least wins. These are so wildly toxic. These are so detrimental to the human condition. Humans are, are not meant to be alone. We are meant to have connection and warmth. And Brene Brown talks a lot about our need, our human need to feel belonging and how we conflate um, 
belong, how we conflate true belonging with fitting in. And so we mask ourselves, we protect ourselves with this suit of armor in order to fit in where we think we need to. Um, so this perceived, this perceived strength, right, of fitting the mold of what we think we should be versus stripping it away and being authentic in who we are, allowing ourselves to expose our shortcomings and so on and so forth. Um, when we mask like that, it actually stops us from true belonging. And so we constantly will seek out new stimuli to help us feel like we belong more or better or whatever it is. Um, and it leaves us feeling empty and sad and disconnected. And we deal with a lot of depression and anxiety as a society because of it. This idea that we don't have connection um, is crushing us. It is crushing us. And we are so quick. There, you know, there are two things that I, I talk about in terms of the internet and vulnerability. Um, one is clout culture, where people are uh, in an attempt to fit in. We pick people in our sphere that have clout, that make us look good, um, that have lots of followers, whatever it is. When you do that, you sell yourself short of real genuine connection of people who see you, number one. And number two, cancel culture. Cancel culture does not allow for people to be vulnerable or to make mistakes or to trip up because we are so freaking quick to rip people apart for a misspoken word or um, something that wasn't quite as articulate. You know, we're all just out here doing our best. Doing this podcast is very vulnerable for me because I try to be really intentional with my words, but I don't always hit it. I don't always get the mark. You know, if I make a TikTok or an Instagram reel, there's someone in my DMs criticizing me the way that they think that I should have said something or whatever it is. And I am very open to feedback. I'm happy to correct myself if you have something that you think should have been articulated better. Of course, I want to do better for you. Um, but true cancel culture going back into people's tweets or Facebook messages for 10, 15 years ago, that's wild to me. I am not the same person I was 10 years ago. Um, I hope I'm not the same person that I will be in 15 years. Do we need to hold people accountable for some of their actions? Of course. Like, there's a sliding scale there. Um, but you know, if you're a 17 year old shithead, no, I don't think you should be held accountable to some stupid thing you said as a child when you're 40 years old. That's, that's wild, right? We learn and grow and we're educated. This idea that we cannot have conversations, um, it, it actually lacks vulnerability on a lot of different sides. Number one, the side of the person who was willing to be vulnerable and expose themselves in the first place. And number two, the people who are so having such a visceral reaction, why is it that you are so triggered? What is your, are you willing to be vulnerable and say, hey, maybe this is an unbalanced reaction to something. Maybe this is something that's triggering me. Um, I think this idea of con this lack of context and nuance, um, you can, you can't take something in a vacuum and without any context or nuance and repeat it and think that that's how things are. It's not. Um, and I would encourage us as a society to have context and nuance, especially in the fitness space. Um, you get a lot of people with advice or the, they speak in these absolutes. And this is what I was talking about with trainers. Trainers want to have all of the answers as if they have the secret, but there is no secret. There's no perfect way to do something. I mean, you know, maybe if you want to talk about strength and hypertrophy or whatever it is, there is a most perfect way to do that, but it's not for everyone. You don't know people's 
um, injuries. You don't know their medical history. You don't know, you don't know what's going on with them. So don't attack them online about saying, oh, this is, this is wrong because of this reason, or you should be doing it like this or whatever it is. Um, again, you lack the empathy to see that person's vulnerability. And when you do that, people are less likely to be vulnerable. And if you want authentic connections, you have to allow people the space to be vulnerable. When we talk about um, backing it up into the gym space and self-growth space, I had someone reach out after the last podcast and ask, you know, how do you navigate, how do you navigate when people respond poorly to your growth or your growth journey? Um, and respectfully, you will have, you might have to tell some people to kindly fuck off. You might have to tell people, um, who I am now doesn't see, recognize you anymore. And if you don't love and appreciate me as I am, you're not welcome in my sphere. Um, you don't have to tolerate people who don't support you and your growth. You can set boundaries and it's, it's hurts. It's hard. It's hard to say to someone that you love, I can't interact with you anymore um, because you no longer see me. You no longer value me. Um, and I have essentially outgrown you. And that's really hard to say. And you don't have to say it, but it's hard to say it to yourself. It's hard to let those relationships go. Um, but ultimately, it is something that you might have to do. Um, and you can always leave the door open for someone to come back if they're willing to meet you and love you as you are. But you deserve to be loved as you are. You deserve to be loved and seen for who you are and the person you are growing into. And you are not required to shrink yourself for anyone or to tolerate someone tearing you down. Um, that is, and I mean, it is a true growing pain. Um, but if you are going through that, I'm really proud of you for pushing through and making it to this point. And I'm so excited to see you grow. Um, that is an act of vulnerability for you to reach out to me to say that. And I appreciate that. And it's also an act of vulnerability to say, to stand on your own and say, I am growing and I am learning. And these relationships are hard. They are getting really hard. So I think this idea of authenticity and vulnerability, um, to be authentic in who we are and who we want to be, when you do that, when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and absolve yourself of this shame of perfection... You get to say, this is who I am. Can you meet me here? And you will attract people in your life who are willing to meet you there. You know, if you're a client coming into the gym and you say, I, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Yes. Then you will receive help and you will get better. If you are a trainer that doesn't know the answer to something um, and you ask more questions, you will receive the answers. You will you and you will grow as a person and as a trainer and you will surround yourself with people who can help educate you and help you grow and learn and develop your and develop and hone your skills if you are a leader that says hey i'm not perfect but will you support me you will develop a team that does support you um i think well i think when it comes to men and women society does a really good job of society as a whole does a really good job of boxing us into our different categories and shaming us into these standards of masculinity and femininity. I think for men and women, I think it's costing people their lives. 
um, men's inability to feel safe and vulnerable uh, means that they don't get the help that they need. And we, we see that a lot with military personnel in these toxic masculine cultures where they cannot um, be perceived as weak. You know, I was talking to this, I was talking about this with um, a gentleman in the army the other day. He was saying, if you, if you're in the army and you see a, a therapist, they're gonna, you know, the ranks will do what they have to do to at least his perception is that, and I'm, I'm not in the military, but the ranks will do what they have to do to remove you from active duty, um, which is a shame because I think everyone should be in therapy in order to ascertain who is fit for duty, number one, and number two, to keep people fit for duty if that's what they want. Um, your mental health allow, makes you stronger. And when, especially when we have veterans who feel alone and sad and they are conditioned to not feel, and they feel so alone, they take their lives. Men feel like they don't know what to do with these emotions. And so they act out violently, sometimes against themselves, sometimes against others, um, because they don't have the tools that they need or the safety that is needed to feel like they can express their emotions and get the help that they need. With women, these impossible beauty standards, these um, the lack of boundaries, the sacrifices that we, the quote unquote sacrifices we have to make to maintain families or relationships or this, these acts of servitude, um, keep us in spaces that don't serve us and run us ragged until we feel alone because we can't ask for help and women take their own lives because they feel, um, like they are less than, like they are unworthy, this sense of unworthiness. And I think, you know, I think ultimately society does cultivate this space of unworthiness. Um, but you are worthy of love and acceptance just as you are. And when you can be vulnerable and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling right now. Um, I need support. You will cultivate people in your life that will support you you know, going to meetings, going to allowing yourself to be honest with yourself and say, I need help. I need more human connection. We join groups that can help us. Um, community is so important. And to be vulnerable and say, I need this community to help me. That's everything. Um, there is no shame in asking for help. This lack of vulnerability, context, nuance, cloud culture, cancel culture, it's all, it's all intertwined and intermingled in this lack of vulnerability and aggressive sense of shame that people feel um, about being themselves. I would encourage you to try to be as kind and authentic as possible. Allow yourself to sit with your shortcomings, sit in your growth mindset, um, sit, sit in your vulnerability to help you have a growth mindset and connect with people, genuinely connect, allow yourself to be vulnerable with people and say, Hey, I'm not okay today. I, I need help. I'm not good today. I need your support. Um, there is nothing wrong with needing to be supported and I hope that if we all take responsibility for our own vulnerability and our own courage, that we individually, we get to be the change we wish to see in the world and we can create a more vulnerable, honest, and authentic culture that listens to one another and is kind. 
And that transition is going to be hard. I mean, people will still come for you. Strangers and nameless people on the internet will still be nasty. Um, I posted some TikToks where people absolutely came for me. I just delete comments that I don't like. And I try, for people that are upset, I try to respond with empathy and with kindness and support. And if they still refuse to meet me in that space or they kind of go off, blocked, access denied. I mean, you just, you kind of have to... You kind of have to decide individually how you want to handle that. You are obviously not required to be publicly vulnerable the way that maybe I am um, or I am trying to be. I'll tell you, like, these last few weeks have been really rough for me um, with some technical difficulties, with exposing myself on the Internet. Um, You know, it is something that I'm learning to navigate, but it's fun. I mean, you know, we have a good time, I suppose. (laughs) Um, my own journey with vulnerability has been (sighs) lengthy. Um, I touched on earlier and, you know, I wear my strength like a suit of armor. That is true. And I do that in a lot of different ways. I do that in my own personal training myself. You know, I really want to lift some weight and I'm, I would struggle with not being able to lift something because even though my muscles can lift it, my back says absolutely not, you know, learning to stay in my lane in terms of my own training protocols. Um, that's been difficult to, you know, if I mess up even a little bit, I'm down for the count for weeks. So I really struggle with that these last few weeks. Um, as a trainer saying, I don't know was something that I really, really struggled with, especially as a young trainer. And you see this a lot on the internet. I see it so much with, um, trainers in their early twenties, usually, or if you've just become a trainer, they really only want to work with people that are intrinsically motivated. They only want to work with people that are, want to be athletes. Um, and I was like that. I really wanted to, um, I wanted people as motivated as I was, and no one is going to be as motivated as their trainer. That's why there's trainers. That's why trainers have a job. Um, you know, when you talk about coaches and, you know, coaching athletes, obviously that's a different realm. But when you talk about the general population who needs help, I was one of those people. I didn't know how to use equipment. I didn't know how to do things. I didn't know how to program workouts. Um, so giving people those tools is part of my job. And helping them to find their intrinsic motivation is also part of my job, right? Helping them to find the magic that movement offered me. Um, As a leader, ooh, I struggled. Wow, did I struggle. Um, I became a manager and I was not well received at all. And that was really on me to navigate um, and to dig deep and find my shortcomings and be really honest about the way that I talked to people and the way that I communicated. Um, and to say to people, Hey, I'm learning just like you. I've been you before. Like I've, I've, I didn't just arrive like this and I'm still learning and I'm still growing. So if there's something I can do better for you, please let me know. Like that has created a culture amongst our staff that they can be vulnerable with me and gives them the space to say, I don't know, but I will find out. Um, that has been massively impactful as a woman who also felt like I had to operate in that toxically masculine space. Um, it's definitely multifaceted and very specific environment for me because I felt like I couldn't have good boundaries. I could, you know, I, I still had to look, 
a certain way or behave a certain way, but as a woman, but I had to essentially play whose dick is bigger with my coworkers and I couldn't be vulnerable in any way or show any type of weakness or I would not be taken seriously. So not only could I not be emotional or sad or vulnerable in that way, the way that the, my male counterparts could, you know, also could not. Um, but I also had to adhere to some, some beauty standards or aesthetic standards that maybe my male counterparts didn't. So, you know, it was definitely a lot for me in that space. Now, um, I'm very happy to say, Hey, I need a second. Um, I'm not okay today. I'm actually very sad today. I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need to just chill for me for a second. I will get this done, you know, by this time or whenever I just need a day or two. Um, as a woman, um, I do, I do like to take care of my appearance, but I have no problem setting boundaries with, um, what I am willing to do as term in terms of a nurturer, that kind of nurturing mindset, um, that society puts on me, I will say to my friends, Hey, I can't be there for you right now. Hey, I can't help you with this right now. Let's circle back to this, you know, setting those boundaries, um, communicating how you feel. That's super, super important. And again, I am someone who feels like I can take on the world and I try my best. Um, but I am much, I'm getting much better about admitting my shortcomings and admitting when I need help. And when I am emotionally unwell, um, my clients will hear me say a lot, uh, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Actually, everyone that knows me will hear me say it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, right on the, right on the verge of an absolute meltdown. Um, and it's kind of a running joke, but I have some clients and we loathe the word fine. Um, fine is not good enough to be fine is just simply unacceptable. I want to be better than fine. I want to be excellent. Um, in order to be honest about where I'm at, I have to stop saying that I'm fine and I have to say, I'm not good right now. Um, but here's what I think I need to do to be better. Right. And you talk to people that you trust. Um, maybe they are your friends, maybe they are mentors, maybe they are mental health professionals, whatever it is. Um, but to be able to be honest and authentic about where you're at and to be able to say, this is not fine. I am not fine. Um, that's everything because this idea that we are all fine and we're okay and I don't care and whatever it is, it is crushing us all. It is keeping us stagnant. It is keeping us away from finding community and support and people that love us. It is keeping us from growing. It is saying, I am fine where I am and I don't have to take any steps to move forward or to be better because everything is fine just the way it is. To say I am not fine and I am not willing to be in this unfine space says I have to take an actionable step to move forward. Um, there's a book, Atomic Habits by James Clear that was really impactful and I didn't realize that I was implementing some of these and it gave a much better context for um, for how I was trying to adjust my life. And essentially it is think about the person you want to be and you will create small habits in your life, some systems in your life that you execute every single day. You know, maybe you want to wake up and drink a glass of water every day. One small step, 
because someone who takes care of their bodies would drink a glass of water every day and you want to be someone who takes care of their body, whatever, whatever it is, just an example of I'm not who, who or what I want to be. What are some actions that the person that I want to be will take? And then you do those actions, actionable steps, but the ability to say, I'm not where I want to be. That is an act of vulnerability. Um, the, the ability to say to people around you, I am not fine. I need better systems. That is an act of vulnerability. Um, so I would really, really encourage everyone to stand in the arena and when you are standing in your vulnerability, so let me back up. The man in the arena quote come came to me from Brene Brown, but essentially it is to dare greatly means to be vulnerable at the risk of having the tomatoes thrown at you. And society will. I mean, they just will. But hopefully we can come together one by one and allow people the space to be vulnerable with us without attacking them because we recognize our vulnerability in them. And we can only do that. We can only open ourselves up to that empathy if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Um, to cut out the haters, to cut out the people who are not getting in the arena, um, you know, Brene has this quote that she said, and it lives in my soul. She says, if you are not in the arena with me, I am not interested in or open to your feedback about my work. But I think that language is so important and has been a really profound tool for me. Um, if you are not in my corner, if you are not in my sphere, if you are not in my arena, I don't really want, I, I cannot allow myself to receive something that is not for me because just because you're projecting it at me, um, you kind of have to discern, you know, with your, as you are on your vulnerability journey, what kinds of feedback you are willing to receive because not all feedback is meant for you. Just because something, somebody throws something at you doesn't mean you have to pick it up. Um, you can leave it there. You can step over it. You can walk around it. You do not have to receive something that is not for you. Just because someone is feeling triggered or distressed, you know, we obviously want to be receptive to feedback that is relevant um, in our quest to be more articulate and more kind and more empathetic. But sometimes people are just going to be nasty. They are going to just hate because they can. They are going to be, they are going to project things at you because they can. And you don't have to receive that. You do not have to be open to their feedback about your work because you are the one doing the work. You are and they are not. And I cannot stress that enough. I see this a lot with clients whose families have strong opinions about them adding more vegetables or, oh, you're obsessed with the gym or whatever it is. No, no, they are not doing the work. They are not in the arena with you. They are not willing to be vulnerable and say, I want to do better. And therefore they are not allowed to send that energy to you. You have to protect yourself and the person that you want to be as you move forward. Um, these are things the the tools to be vulnerable include being honest with yourself genuinely honest about your 
your current path that you're on and actions that you do that are impeding you from becoming the person you want to be vulnerability and saying, Hey, I need help being honest about saying, you know what? I could ask for help here. This person or this person in my life could help me do better because they could do a little bit better and they could help me do better. I am willing to say, you know, I'm sorry. Ooh, that's a big one. That's a big one. I am willing to say, I'm sorry, genuinely sorry. On another, like when we talk about um, kindness and empathy and apologies and growth on your journey, on our journey, we're never going to nail it. We're never going to get it right. A hundred percent. Perfect. We are going to fuck up. We're going to, we are going to mess up the ability to say, I'm genuinely sorry. How can I make this better? Is so unbelievably profound. A lot of times when we mess up, we tend to say, well, I'm sorry, but, and then we give all these reasons of why we did the thing that we did or what was going on or whatever it is. A genuine apology is not a back and forth. A genuine apology does not require a back and forth conversation. It just requires that, you know what? I'm really sorry. How can I do better for you? How can I show up better for you? How can I make this right? You're right. I fucked up, man. And I, I care about you and I want to do better for you. That's an apology. You know, if you're interested, if you, if you want to explain yourself, you know, I can, you can offer that and say, Hey, um, I can explain myself if you want, but just know that I am genuinely sorry. And I want to make this right by you. Right. I will do better. Here's how I'm going to do better. This inability, this inability to apologize, this inability to take responsibility for our actions is a lack of vulnerability. It is a lack of humanity because essentially it says, I can never mess up. I I, well, I'm sorry, but, and here's, and here's all the reasons why I'm not an asshole. Here's all the reasons that I'm, I'm still a good guy. You can be a good guy and mess up like you can, you know, we don't intentionally want to hurt people, but we're going to, we just are. That's, you know, we're not always able to see everyone all the time, but we can try to learn and grow and do better for one another. That is an act of vulnerability. That is an act of character, of growth. Um, in this quest to be perfect because of all the shame that we experience and this lack of vulnerability and the pressure that we feel to be perfect. When we do that, it inherently says, I cannot mess up because I am perfect and perfect people don't mess up. So it does not leave room for genuine apologies. And when you cannot express sincerity and a and be genuinely sorry for an action that you've done, you're never going to change. And we end up with a lot of narcissistic tendencies because we cannot admit our own shortcomings because we don't have the language or the tools to do the work. To say, I'm sorry, how can I fix this? And give someone the opportunity to say, here's how you can fix it. Um, or to have a discussion about what to have a discussion about what that means helps both you and the person and the person at, that we're talking about grow, and it absolves you from being perfect 
Now, conversely, you can't just say I'm sorry and and not do anything about it. Sometimes sorry just isn't enough. You have to take actionable steps to demonstrate true apology and growth. Again, an act of vulnerability to open yourself up to that kind of action is really important. Um, Being able to apologize is one of the greatest acts of vulnerability and growth that we can see like a genuine apology. It is, it is a tool that I hope that you put in your tool belt. Um, I use this tool belt analogy a lot, uh, because I think we start with a tool belt and then we acquire so many that hopefully we get a toolbox. Um, the ultimate goal from where I'm sitting is that I would like to have a tool shed and, It's definitely difficult to find what we need the tools for, how to create the tools, and then how to sharpen those tools. Um, That's definitely a journey that we will be on the rest of our lives, but we have to be open and receptive to building and creating and fixing in order to acquire and utilize those tools. You know, I think that vulnerability has been one of the most profound lessons that I have learned these last several years. And I hope that I will continue to learn and continue to grow and continue to build my tool belt box shed, whatever it is. Um, and I hope that you find help and kindness and authenticity in your life. And I hope that you can open yourself up to that because you deserve it. You deserve to be vulnerable. You deserve people in your sphere that are vulnerable with you, but they can't do that until you are, until they feel safe with you. When you open yourself up to being human, you unconsciously allow other people to do the same. And that's where you get real connection. And that is the essence of the human condition. I hope you found today's podcast helpful. I hope that you were able to acquire some tools for your tool belt. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback of any kind, you can shoot me an email at thelizlife, that's T-H-E-L-I-Z-Z-L-I-F-E at gmail.com. You can also follow me at thelizlife, spelled the exact same way, on Instagram and TikTok. Um, You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify. You can watch me on YouTube. Um, If you have anything at all, I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is an absolute honor and a pleasure. Next episode, we're going to have a guest and a very special friend of mine. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that. Please feel free to like, follow, subscribe. It would really mean a lot to me. Leave any feedback that you have in the comments. uh, And I will see you next time. Remember to shine on my friends. I believe in you. Welcome to the least life. The least life. Welcome to the least life. Welcome to the least life. Least life. Welcome to the. Welcome to the. Welcome to the least life. The least life. Welcome to the least life.